0: You're listening to Scattered by Anchored Baptist Church, where we work to reflect the diversity of Hermanus as we gather to hear the good news about the person and work of Jesus, and as we scatter to share it. We hope that you enjoy. God, I pray for all of us right now that by your word and through your spirit, you would grow us and point us to Christ. Amen. Perhaps you're going to pick up James's letter to the churches spread out throughout the Roman world and it's going to make complete sense to you. You may hear every good thing that James is encouraging you to do and say, amen, I will. Maybe your translation of those first several verses uses the word perfect, and you might be thinking well, not, not perfect, but good enough. <laughs> but if we want to grasp the fullness of what James has to offer to us, then we're going to need to change our perspective a little bit. In order to imagine the kind of world James was living in, we would have to think about some important moments in history, for instance. Try to imagine that you were working on the docks in Port Elizabeth at the end of the 19th century. Everything was brought to the docks, by horses and bulls and men. Everything left the dock in the same way. Except on January 4 of 1897, when the first car came to South Africa and it drove its way off of a boat and started a long journey to be delivered to its proud new owner in Pretoria. Or, imagine that you were a part of the first phone call ever made in the year 1876. Then imagine that you woke up in 2020 and everyone carried a phone in their pocket and could even see another person through the moving pictures on the front of it. Or, try to picture yourself having made a three-month boat ride across an open ocean one week, and then the next week getting on an airplane, and making the same trip on one long evening flight. These are big, defining moments in history, but these are also moments that change the lives of individuals in dramatic ways, and these specific things are changing your and I's lives even today. Suddenly, your horses are more of a burden than living, breathing tools to be used for work. Suddenly you're expected to speak to people that are not in your presence. And all of a sudden, those relatives that you crossed an ocean to get away from can come and visit you for just a week or two since a flight of only six hours was not a bad use of their time as compared to a six-month round-trip commitment. In a way, this is where James finds himself. All of his life, he has given sacrifices as a sign from God that his sins have been covered over. All his life, he was in the synagogue, a Jewish church, on Saturday, and he had a tight calendar of holidays that remembered and celebrated the work of God among the Jewish people. All his life, he had a brother who seemed to get it right until he started going out and talking as though he were God. Then that same brother died on a cross like a criminal and brought what seemed like shame to the family at first, but became faith in the person that he knew as his brother who was his brother, but the work that he did for James, his younger half-brother on the cross. Then James finds himself in a place of leadership, trying to, trying to organize a group of people who all thought themselves faithful Jews. And suddenly, this group that heard and understood the teaching of James's brother Jesus... They're all brought together, and on top of that, this new group of Jesus people has been scattered because of persecution and suffering. And James, our author, has to find a way to keep them together and connected to Christ and to one another in the midst of persecution and hardship and trials and the loss of cultural identity. That is, not knowing what people you come from anymore. And confusion over what being a Christian means exactly, other than Jesus saving them. With that context, let's go to God's word this morning. James chapter 1, starting verse 1. James, a servant of God, and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes dispersed abroad. Greetings. Consider it all joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its full effect, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Notice how James begins his letter. Not a brother of the Lord Jesus Christ, but instead he says a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. James may at one time have been very confused as a young man attempting to understand who this brother of his was. He even ushered Jesus away from the people of their hometown thinking, oh man, he's gone crazy now and he's out there dishonoring our mother and our family by claiming to be God. He did not believe that his sins could be forgiven by a man that he had probably shared a room with for his entire young life. But now and as we will see in coming weeks in the book of Acts and elsewhere, James does believe, and he knows that Jesus is more than a brother. He is his Savior and our Savior. James understands something here that we must all understand. We all only have one Lord and one allegiance, one thing that we say, yes, we're for that. And that allegiance either belongs to the one true God or to Satan. This is as true for you and for me as it was for James. We all either trust in and rely upon Jesus alone for our life and salvation, or we place a lost hope in a God or gods made in our own image and who are empowered by our sin and by Satan himself. And James calls himself here a slave to God. And notice, he places that brother of his, the Lord Jesus Christ, on the same level with God. This is coming from a guy who since he was young confessed this from Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 4 to 9. Hear O Israel the Lord our God the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign to your hand and they shall be as frontlets to your eyes. You shall write them down on the doorposts of your house and on your gates." For him, that is James, to call his brother the Lord our God and to say that he is one with Yahweh and that we are to have the same slavish love that commits all of ourselves, heart, soul, and might to him is a big statement to the twelve tribes who are scattered To the twelve tribes who are dispersed abroad, we read next. This is who the letter is written to. Why, though? Why twelve tribes? We've studied before in 1 Peter this same language. To those who are dispersed, those of the dispersion. That is, those people who are scattered. However, when Peter uses this language, he's speaking mostly to Gentiles. Uh, who are separated from or who are dispersed from their forever home with God for the time being. James, on the other hand, does not write mostly to Gentiles, rather he's writing mostly to Jews, because this is probably the earliest book of the church that we have, probably less than 20 years after the death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. So it is a mostly Jewish people who have become Christians at this point, who have understood that Jesus is the yes and amen of all of God's promises, as the writer of Hebrews says it. So when he says to the twelve tribes, he's using words to point us to something And that is that he sees these people, these Jews that are believing in Jesus to be the fulfillment, uh, the completion of those people whom God has called to himself throughout history. He simply says, greetings, a very simple hello. And the first words that show the purpose of this letter hit like a fist of stone. Consider it great joy, brothers and sisters, whenever you are going through all different kinds of trouble. Consider it joy? Be happy about it? No, not exactly. We do not need to go through every hardship of this life with smiles on our faces. We do not have to pretend that we are super happy, super Christians, and if we're just smiling enough that God will surely see how well we're, we're we're handling it all and he'll bring good things our way next. Or that if we are content enough, people will see our joy and immediately say, wow, how do you do that? You're so amazing. You say you gave your heart to Jesus? Let me do that too. Now, our joy here may look like hard-won contentment may look like tired eyes and a heart that is kept alive by the word of God and the encouragement of brothers and sisters in Christ. This joy that is being spoken of means that we live with the end goal in sight. When trials begin, when we are in the middle of struggle, when it seems like hardship and heartache will never stop, We have a promise here from James and from God that he is growing us. When we cannot be thankful for the hardship or we're acting like small children who don't want any of the good or bad that we are faced with, God is still growing and maturing us. But he does not expect us to be matured and completed on our own. He gives us all of the brothers and sisters that James has addressed in this letter. And if trial or a particular suffering does not strengthen you, but instead kills you, if it brings us death, we must know that this is full completeness and maturity in the truest sense. Just as Paul can say in Colossians chapter 2, that we are complete through our union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. we know this because Jesus' faithful suffering and death led to his resurrection and the salvation of the world. Paul says in Philippians chapter two, verse nine, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above. Every name. Just as Christ was given to endure trials, well, we can also expect to face the same. But because Christ endured the trials for the joy set before him, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, we can also endure knowing that God will carry us through our trials and raise us on the last day. And that is joy. At that time, you will be able to say that through the testing of your faith, God has produced endurance, a strength to keep going and that you made it to the end. That endurance will fully show that you lack nothing and that you are matured and completed in Christ. Throughout this coming week, we will continue to look at these verses And on next Sunday, we will continue with verses 5 through 15. But just for now, let's jump ahead to verse 16. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers, for every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. By his own choice, he gave us birth by the word of truth, so that we would be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. We will see next week where deceived or do not be lied to comes from at the beginning of verse 16. But for now, let's just say confused or taken off of course of resting in and relying upon Jesus. Don't be confused, my brothers and sisters, because these many and diverse trials that you are faced with will produce the good and completed gifts given to you by God. He is the Father of lights, which does sound actually very strange and confusing, but it's very simply explained in the next words. Who does not change like shifting shadows. You know, our, our house is uh, it's actually a mint color, like mint ice cream. But most days, the sun's so bright that it just looks white, or on dark days, it looks kind of gray. And only at a couple of perfect times of day is our house that lovely color of ice cream that I want it to be. It is always changing due to light and shadow. With God, there is none of that. He does not change or shift. James is saying that you may think that everything has changed, but that's not true. God gave birth to this new gathering we call the church through the word of truth. Just as he does with every biblical truth, God gave birth to this new gathering that we call the church by the word of truth. Even every church that is biblical today, we say, is given birth by the word of God, by the word of truth. And we know who that word is. We know who the way, the truth, and the life is. We know who the first fruits of the resurrection is. We know that in the midst of all kinds of trials, there is only one person that we can turn to. That person is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in whom we know that we will one day experience the fullness and completeness of our maturity in steadfastness lacking in nothing. We know this because last week on the cross, Jesus proclaimed to all of us that it is finished. The justifying work of God is complete and will continue on to completion until that day when you are forever with Christ in the resurrection. In Jesus, you have your fullness and your joy, no matter what your circumstances are. No matter what suffering or trial. You are faced with. Dear Lord Jesus. Thank you for the joy. And the, the delight. That you take in us. Thank you. For suffering the trial of the cross. for The joy that was set before you. Namely. Our salvation. We pray. That your joy. And your forgiveness. Will sustain us. Through our every. Hardship and trial. May we only ever and always look to you and rest in and rely upon you alone for our salvation. Amen. Until next time, know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father. And the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is with you all.